1: So my name, I got. I introduce. Uh, my name is Lindsay Venegas, and uh, I'm from. Our business is from the Southwest Detroit area. My father started the business um, almost 40 years ago. Uh, he first started it in 1979. The business is about two weeks older than I am. Um, my father started his business by he was uh, went to a home builders' the show because he sold steel, and he. Boss would not pay for the ticket for him to go, so he decided. My dad and my mother decided that they were going to pool the little over a hundred dollars to go to this uh, home builder's Christmas party. And at the party, there was some raffle prizes, and my dad ended up winning the raffle prize. Drove home in a brand new Coupe de Ville Cadillac. He drove it for about two weeks, and he started the business um, two weeks later. And then after that, I was born about two weeks after that. And so now today, flash forward about 40 years, we have uh, developed now into seven different businesses. Uh, We employ close to 600 people. And our businesses uh, focus in uh, construction, um, facility management, and manufacturing.
0: Wow. Wow. Tell us a little bit how, I guess, how did the business end up in Detroit? How did your, why did your dad pick
1: Detroit? Well, originally we we started uh, our business in Livingston County, and then we stayed in Livingston County for until about the mid-90s. And then my dad met uh, an individual by the name of Hank Gary. You're not familiar with who Hank Gary is. He owned a company called Mexican Industries, and his business was based in Southwest Detroit. Mexican Industries, what they did is Uh, Back in the day, if you opened up like your trunk, you would have the tire and then there was like a cover that went over the tire. So he did a lot of, uh, he had a a stitch and sew operation down there for automotive. And um, Hank and Gary always challenged my dad and a few other Hispanic business owners who had their businesses out in the suburbs to come back down to the city and, you know, reinvest and reinvest in the community where you were brought up. Um, And in the mid-90s, my dad Formed a partnership with um, Hank—I'm not Hank I'm sorry, Rick Gonzalez, Carmen Munoz, and Facundo Bravo, and we all—they formed a partnership called the Hispanic Manufacturing Center, and we took over um, the Cadillac plant that was on Clark Street. And so when we first came down, we—it um, was. Very different when we first came down. I mean, one of our first concerns was um, we were going to bring a lot of people from the suburbs to work down in Detroit. And det- back then in the 90s, Detroit looks very differently than it does today. And we needed to create some peace in the neighborhood because we wanted people to be able to, work, you know, come come from the suburbs, come downtown and work. And my dad uh, approached a group of different leaders from different gangs in the area, and they all met in a church, and it was facilitated by a priest. And my dad asked them pretty simply, just said, what can I do to create peace in the neighborhood because I have many people coming down? And he was somewhat surprised by the answer. He said that he, he always tells us that he had some $100 bills in his pocket. He didn't know if they were going to want a couple hundred bucks or is he you're have to pay him every month. And the answer was pretty easy. They said that they wanted jobs and they didn't necessarily just want any job. They wanted jobs that had benefits and jobs that had advancement. And it was pretty simple need, like that's what we do at ideal for all of, all of our other employees. So we ended up hiring, uh, 70 of the gangs, 70 of the different gangs. And basically they were, you know, attacking each other a week. And then the week later, they're all working, working together, building things. And that was really the start of how we started to get involved in Southwest Detroit and how we started to build a, um, a community there.
0: And, and, and that, in and of itself, that's real investing in your community and being a good community neighbor. I mean, that has to be very much applauded.
1: So now, yeah, and it was a really cool thing, I, and I don't need to It was a really interesting thing, too, because like, as soon as we started hiring them, I'll never forget, we had an individual who his kid came in, and you know, he went to my father's office, and I was still young. It was only my teenage years. And he, and he says show them. And the kid smiled, he had all these braces in his mouth. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's braces. But he was so excited. The, the father was so excited that his kid was going to have straight teeth that they could go to the dentist. And they could spend, you know, it, you know braces are pretty expensive. could be thousands of dollars. And so I, I learned a lot from my teenage years and how important it is to basically, you know, you, you treat yourself how you, you treat others how you'd want to be treated. It is,
0: and and that is so true And the fact that they were willing to tell your dad, you know, what they were really looking for, that they were really looking Mm -hmm. for, you know, to work, to earn an honest living, and your dad being willing to give them that opportunity, which in turn allowed them to, you know, provide for their families and their households, which is all the basic needs that all of us have.
1: Absolutely, and, absolutely. And
0: so being able to make that connection um, there between the two, I mean, it's it, no wonder your, your organization has grown. And that, that is awesome. That's awesome all by itself. So now tell me, you obviously, the business has been in existence your entire life. At what point did you begin to enter into the business and start to work in the business? What's what's the your first interaction or introduction to the business?
1: My first job at the business, and I always tell people is that since we're a kid, you when your parents start a business as a kid, I mean the business is you know, there is no separation sometimes between family and business when you work in a family business. So After schools and the weekends were always filled with being an ideal. And it kind of went from, you know, I could be playing underneath my dad's desk with toys until I started saying my ABCs. And my dad heard that. He said, great, now you can say your ABCs. Now you can start filing. So my brother, I have a brother that's a year and a half younger. And same thing with him. I mean, not necessarily when he could say his ABCs, but when he could start cleaning things up, my dad handed him a broom and made him go out in the shop and start pushing a broom around the shop. But my first real job, what I call it, is um, my I used to staple jelly bellies to um, the flyers that we would send out. And um, my dad's assistant would bring home crates. Either I'd go to the office or at night, and I'd probably get, I think, like a nickel for each thing I stapled, and I'd have to put it in the envelope. So that was my first job. And my dad's always had created a culture, you know, if you, if you do a good job, you get a better job. And um, that was what happened is I started being surrounded by... The, um, the marketing department. And there weren't just kids my age, they were high school and college interns and, uh, you know, graduates from college. And so I started them be able to start learning how to use Excel and use PowerPoint. And I just continued just through the trajectory. So throughout my career, I've done I've done a lot of jobs in the office, anything from a variety of different marketing jobs, from accounts receivables, accounts payables, to customer service, to sales manager, um, very, very many different roles within the business.
0: So now, did you find doing those different roles in the business help you? Um, I guess you know, be more respected
1: from? other
0: workers in there as you moved up the chain Um
1: I I think so. I think that you know as there's always somewhat of a perception as the you know the owner's kids, but you kind of have to sometimes I feel like with perceptions you just got to let a perception lie and and let your let your actions do the talking. So I always tried to do the very best possible job I could and I've always had a lot of pride in like what I've done. I've have always liked to work hard. So you know, being being involved in the business and I and I enjoyed the business because when you enjoy something, you usually do, you start to do a good job at that. Um, today, as far as managing, it's been it, I'm, I tell my dad all the time it's a gift that he gave me because as we all know, as managers and, and running businesses or even running a department, and the most important thing a manager can do is be able to make decisions and be able to make decisions like calmly and so i'm able to i mean i have to make decisions and you have to like just realize that when you make a decision sometimes it's going to be a good one and sometimes it's going to be a bad one but if you think if you have decision with thought then most of the time it'll be good or if it's not the right one you usually can fix it but being able doing all of those different jobs was I able to actually get in the role of each of the jobs, but I also got to learn the different types of systems we have. So I understand how our accounting system works, our ERP system and our, our sales software, our CRM system. So when I'm making decisions, I'm able to ask much better questions with the people that I have. And always like, whenever I have a problem, I always feel like you got to fix the problem, but if you can create a system or you can create a better workaround, or we can create something that that will never happen again, that's almost a success.
0: It is. It is. In fact, you know, I have this saying that um, obviously everyone is human, and so we're always going to make uh-huh. mistakes. And those yeah. mistakes, though, they become learning opportunities. So it's, it's not in the mistakes that define us. It's in what we do when we discover that a mistake has been made or a bad decision has been made. You know, it's it's what you do in that moment is what defines you, what really defines you as a person, number one, and number two defines, you know, your management style, your management skill set. You know, how are you going to grow and progress?
1: Absolutely. I I always like that one quote. It always says, always make new mistakes.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes. That is so very true. So very true.
1: So now you
0: are in the business with other family members in management positions. How does, I guess, how do you guys work out that relationship?
1: Sure. Well, my father, he is, he's obviously the chairman, the CEO. Um, And then I have my uncle and I'll explain our family members and I'll go into our roles. And I have an uncle who is, it's his youngest brother. He uh, is the president of the Ideal Group of Companies. And then I have a younger brother, and we're only about a year and a half apart, so we're very close in age. So our roles within the company, Jesse and I both have the vice president role. I'm not a big title person. My uncle has the president role, and my dad's the chairman and CEO. But really, what do we have to do? So my dad's more on the higher level. He likes to do a lot of the business development. Um, the day-to-day business decisions in the office He's really has turned a lot of those on to, over to my uncle, my brother, and myself. My brother and I have basically taken all of the roles within the company because you have, not only do you have seven different businesses, but besides just the role in the business, I mean, there's, you know, someone's got to be watching over HR, especially when you have 700 people or someone's got to the CFO, the account, the accounting needs to be, have some type of ownership decisions, um, IT HR, finances, marketing, all of those. So my brother and I have divided each of the roles in the different company because we feel that somebody has to be the lead in each role because again, as I discussed a few minutes ago about making decisions, it's like when you got too many too many cooks in the kitchen, sometimes it can slow down decision making.
0: That's so true. That is so very very true. Now, you have been honored as one of the top 10 Michigan businesswomen by novel. You've also been honored by Crane's Detroit Business 40 Under 40 in 2018, and the Spirit of Freedom 2018, and were Beyond the Basics Women's Veterinary Detroit as honoree. You've done so, so much um, thus far. What's next for you?
1: What's next for me? That's always a good question. (laughs) I just, I just, I know it's a, it's a super exciting answer but that's really uh you know my dad always tells my brother and i we're you know i'm almost 40 and my brother's 38 that we got a long time of work and really to stay focused in the business i'm, I'm very uh i'm one committed and that's that's important you got to be committed especially for the next generation but two i just really you know we have a lot of families i mean you have 700 people it's, it's a lot of there's a lot of, that's a lot of families and a lot of people. And um, I really just want to just keep the business going and, and growing and and carry on our not just my dad's mission, but our family's mission.
0: Great. Right. And that's important. I mean, it's, it's because especially we, we did a program earlier. We're talking about um, generational, you know, businesses. And it's important to keep that legacy going on. And so it's awesome that you and your brother are so invested not just in taking the responsibility over that extended family in the form of of your workforce, but also in the form of the community and keeping things going and growing in Southwest Detroit. And so that's an awesome thing, um, too, as well. But you have another niche in marketing, and I want to get a little bit into that. Tell me about the how you use online marketing to advertise and grow, you know, the businesses.
1: Yeah, we had my father invented started a company in the mid nineteen nineties called Ideal Shield. And what what my dad invented was um, it's called a bollard cover. So you're probably like, What's a bollard cover? Uh, a bollard cover is to put it in perspective, is if you go to let's just say if you go to a bank. You go to the ATM machine. If you look at the ATM machine, there's typically some steel posts that are surrounded the ATM machine, so your car will hit that steel post and not the ATM. Well, back in the day, you would actually people would go out there and they would paint those posts all the time, yellow and different colors. But with weather, um, they would chip or rust, and then they'd have to go back out there and paint. And my dad invented a plastic sleeve that just slides over those posts. So what it do is it eliminates the need to ever have to paint again. And when he invented the product, the biggest thing when you man you know when you, when you invent a product you got to get it out there you got to market it you got to so people even know about it. My father and my uncle had to travel all over the country. I mean they were doing trade shows every week. And um, at that time I was in high school and so I was doing a lot of the marketing I was or, a lot of the mailers. I was in charge of all the mailers and we sent so many pieces of mail introducing what the bollard cover was and about after college i was on i was online and i found out and one of our girls in our marketing department showed us about this google adwords and so we started using google adwords to promote ideal shield and so what it did is that when people went on a search engine now they could type in the word bollard cover and we would show up and people would call us and so it really started to grow where we started investing more money on online advertising and less money into trade shows because, as you all know, trade shows can get extremely expensive. Um, They're timely, costly. Now, we still do trade shows, but we were finding huge returns from Google Ads.
0: Wow. Now, along those lines, you have been able to be an instructor there um, in the executive education programs at Tuck School of Business at Dartmouth College, as well as be involved with the... In the, I guess as a part of the Google Dartmouth program there. And so you go through a lot of this as to what's the best practices when it comes to advertising for B2B or B2C. What are some of the, I guess, trade secrets that we can pass along to the number of business owners that is listening to us this
1: morning? Um, I would, If you're starting a business, I think first and foremost, you really need to invest in a a good website that's that's absolutely first and foremost because rather if you're selling if you don't think that you know people I've got a lot of times where people like well I'm not selling a product I'm selling a service well that is your online business card It's, it's, it's your story so if you don't think people are going to search you and find out information it's extremely important to have a good website it's also extremely important not just the functionality of a website but really to have some digital leadership over how you want to look online how you want your your website to look. Because I get a lot of businesses that they put it into their marketing department or they'll put it to a third-party designer, and they don't don't always necessarily read the content. So making sure that the content is the most up-to-date because you could have a fabulous meeting with somebody, and then that night they're searching you like we all do because we can look at the web anytime we want. And your digital presence, like your website or what's out there about you, may not reflect anything that you talked about during that day. So I think that's the number one thing. And I always feel like everything that you are going to do on digital to try to, if you're going to put money into digital to advertise, I always feel like all clicks can sometimes both the time go back to your website. So my second thing is figure out where your customers or your potential customers, what type of digital channels would they go to look for your products or services? And what I mean by that is Let's take that bollard cover, for example. Typically, if we're, like, on our social, so if you're on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, you're typically looking at, I know how my Instagram feed is filled with. It's filled with, uh, you know, fashion, and I got makeup and stuff like that. So that would be very good for a makeup company. But I'm not really, really interested in, in learning about bollard covers at night. So I don't spend a lot of money into the Facebook and the Instagram and social. So finding the right channels that work for you.
0: So now, with that, how do they, how do they track the RRI? What's the best way to track the RRI on whatever I guess investment that you do make into your your marketing?
1: Well, the first, the easiest thing to do, and it's it's free, that if you as long as you have a website going, is that installing Google Analytics. I think a lot of people, you know, your web person can do that. Most people do have Google Analytics. They they look at their Google Analytics, but having seven or eight different metrics that you can pull from Google Analytics. Typically, as you know, business owners, you're not going to be the one that's knee deep in developing your website or your whole marketing strategy, but having six or seven metrics that you look at monthly so you can start to spot trends. And so when you do make changes, you can see if it's working or not working. The other thing is typically any digital channel you use, I mean, you could use anything from Amazon to eBay to Facebook to Instagram. They all have some type of analytical tool, so they'll typically tell you how, how those ads are performing. I always, I always tell everybody, you know, fail fast, fail cheap. So, you know, you have to measure everything and you have to have some metrics because you, that way as, as an owner, and again, having that digital leadership, because it's your money at the end of the day. So you're able to pull back or you can sometimes scale large.
0: So now is this more of a, is it a daily activity, a monthly <clears throat> activity? I guess from a, basically you just yeah. the marketing guru right now. If, I mean, how often should, you know, you be out there promoting yourself? Is it based on your type of business or what?
1: Well, the promotion of yourself, it would just de- depend on what digital channel you're using because you'll get impressions or you'll have a daily budget. As far as the, the monitoring and the managing, is, it's is one to do it consistently. So I usually look at monthly metrics. So I want to see like are the stats like for instance, am I getting more visitors on site, or am I getting more clicks through my ad so I, I you gotta have a good time frame because if you do it daily, things can change very quickly from one day to the other, so I feel like a, looking at one month to the next month is is a good one good way to look at it. I always call it a I do it for myself and i and I know we all get busy, but I kind of call it like a little digital. Like, once a month, I like to go on all of my different websites and I read things, or I'll Google our company name. You can do, like, Google Alerts. But I spend some time just looking to see what's out there, because we all know our businesses evolve. They change daily, constantly. And, you know, you're steering the ship on what your company strategy is, how you want to grow your business. So I really try to make sure that what we're saying in our content reflects. And then, like, lastly, I'm never satisfied. <laughs> and what I mean by that, I'm always looking at things to change, and I also realize, like, there's things out there, on, even on my own digital, that I don't really necessarily, like, like, but I also realize I have a budget to work with, so I have priorities. So just it's it's never-ending for me. So I'm never just, like, going to build a website or I'm going to do this and, and it's done, it's going to work. You What worked six months ago may not work today.
0: Right. Okay. I think all of us mm. as business owners can totally relate to everything you just said. We're, it's never-ending. Mm-hmm. It is always something to be done or doing, or you're, you're not satisfied. It can be okay and it can be good, but you're always looking to find out, how do I make it better? Because we realize is that if we don't stay relevant and if we don't be mindful, of our target market and their needs, and we're not being willing to change, you know, as those needs change and making sure that we're keeping up, we won't be relevant. Absolutely. And so those things are very much so um, important.
1: So now, we're all I think it's important too, ask- on- go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to say last, I think another thing that's really important too is that we all use digital. We all buy stuff online. We Maybe not everyone buys stuff online, but most people do. But you do something, most people do something digitally. So I always look when I'm buying something or if I'm on on a website, like if I like a functionality of a website, I write things down. I look at what I do every day digitally. And I'm not saying everything I do digitally is going to be able to apply to my business. But I realize that how quickly I expect things is how quickly that my customers or potential customers are going to expect things.
0: That's true. That is so very true, and that's a very good practice to be able to kind of recognize the things that you like. Your customers will probably be attracted and like the same things too as well. Now, do you do any surveys? Do you you recommend doing surveys of your customer base some kind of way or doing some type of eval of them?
1: We have we have done surveys in the past. Right now, we're really big on uh, Google reviews. So mm-hmm. our customer service team, if, if they've had, we've been asking people when they order if they wouldn't mind giving us um, when they order, a Google they review mind, and giving us pretty good um, a Google review. And we've had pretty good success with that. Um, and our customer service team, like they love it. You know, they'll mention their name, but just trying to increase the digital presence. Um, I think surveys are good. It's just that. Sometimes it depends on what you're doing. Like if I'm selling a $30 bollard cover, so for somebody to spend an extra five or 10 minutes to fill out a survey might be too much work for them. But if I send a link or, you know, thank you for your order, here's a Google review link, and they click on that link and they can write two sentences, that might be much easier for them. And they can do it that very easily on their desktop or on their phone. So I'm looking at what, what kind of device are they working with and how can I make it? How can I make that, that maintenance manager not have to, like, disrupt his day, but he could write something like, oh, I had a great experience with Ideal Shield, blah, 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 or it could have been a negative one, but how do, I, how do I get that out quickly?
0: Awesome. Now, do your customer service folks also ask them on the phone? Like, sometimes we may call, you know, different places, and they ask us to hang on the phone to do a quick review. Do you guys do that too, or do you just kind of just shoot out a quick email?
1: Um, well, I may ask on the, the phone, corporate. but we also, with our with our customer, our what do you want? It, our sales confirmation with the order is typically sent by email, and then you know we will say, you know, your order is going to be delivered on this date, and you, you know, if you won't mind, if you want to send it, you know, please click on this link for a Google review. Awesome.
0: And then now, once you guys have those reviews, how do you measure them? What? Who's tracking that information?
1: When, when we get a review, it typically would go right to our, our marketing department. So our, our marketing manager will review re, review the review. Um, if it's a negative review, it's always important to, you know, you got to always have an open mind. Because like we talked about earlier, sometimes if it's a problem, it, it can be a positive thing. So um, we look at that review. If it's a negative one, we always respond back. It's very important to respond to a review because if somebody took the time to tell you something, uh, we do look at that. If it's something that needs to be addressed within our team, it's, we address it within our team in our weekly meetings, or sometimes it's even quicker than that.
0: OK. And so and if it's a negative review, you guys make sure you do it within a, I guess, uh, an immediate response or make sure that it's timely so that others can see it. Is there a general rule like within a twenty four or forty eight hours or how fast should you respond to that negative you know It'd Google review?
1: Probably be within within the hour. Okay. Definitely that day, but within the hour, yes. Because I mean if you have a negative review, it's extremely important to I always I forgot whoever told you this, but you gotta acknowledge it and you gotta own it, right? And you gotta deal with it. So it's super important because I I always talk about when I talk about reviews, like people are looking for positive reviews. Most people that give reviews are either super happy or super unhappy, right? And most things that we buy now, there's typically always a couple bad reviews, Then that doesn't necessarily not – just because you have a couple negative reviews doesn't mean that you're going to lose customers. You know, you want to have more good reviews than negative reviews. But if you have a negative review, you can take an opportunity to – respond to that and acknowledge like, you know, oh my, I'm sorry that you had this experience. Let's get, you know, try to get them offline. I will be calling you today to talk to you about such and such or I will deal with the problem. So when somebody's looking at you on digital and they're reading your reviews, they feel like, okay, if this doesn't work right, or this, I don't get the right product, or I'm not going to get the service. This person's going to take care of me. That's
0: so true. And it's so important to, to recognize when you have the reviews and everything up there, it's out there for everyone to see. And the way that you handle Absolutely. and resolve that means everything to your business. You know, whether or not someone's going to go ahead and click that button to buy what it is that, that you're offering, plus it it represents the image of your organization. You know, Absolutely. and so
1: that is awesome.
0: So we're a little bit yeah, over and I think, our hat.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say one last thing about reviews. It's also a good opportunity. I see a lot of uh, people like they'll go on. You go on their website and they talk about how amazing their companies are because we are all entrepreneurs, so we believe in our company because it is amazing. But I always kind of talk about like let your customers do the talking. Pull out things that what what makes who you are. So if I go back to my Ballard Cover example, it's it's extremely important that I have good customer service that people can understand what the sizing is that we ship really quick and so when we get those types when customers say oh wow the customer service is great and it was quick shipping it that that has more weight than what you put out there because your people believe from other people's um, experiences
0: that is so very true because and and the best referral i say always comes from or the best marketing always comes from another person, another person giving you that referral or sharing their experience with you. And so being able to have someone represent your brand, represent your product or your service is major um, in every aspect of your marketing. So we're at the halfway point, a little bit over or past the halfway point. And so for those of, of, us that may have joined a little bit later, I want to just kind of do a brief recap. And so, Linda, I'm going to ask you to kind of give us a little back, go back and background into your background and a little bit about your companies and a little bit about how you guys got started.
1: Sure. Well, we, my, my name is Lindsay Venegas. Um, I'm the vice president at Ideal Group. My family business, my dad started the business, uh, it'll be 40 years this December. Uh, he Won a Cadillac in a home builder's uh, Christmas party. He drove the Cadillac for two weeks, and then he sold it, and that's how he started Ideal Group. Um, once the business was started, two weeks later, I was born, and then a year and a half later, my brother was born. Um, we've grown. 40, Almost 40 years later, we now have about seven different businesses, and we're approaching about 700 different uh, 700 employees. Um, my brother and I are both very involved in the business. So we're really running the, the day-to-day operations and uh, taking pretty soon taking the next step to uh, running the business.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Now you guys, I'm going to go back just a little bit. Your dad had an accident and I always say life happens to everyone. And so This process, when your dad um, encountered an accident, you and your brother kind of stepped up, and you made some decisions that a lot of people probably would have questioned um, during that time frame. Talk to us about that time. What were some of the things that were, you know, you guys were facing from a management standpoint? Because obviously, it's the challenges that really help us grow a business, or it's the challenges that, that really bring out what's in you as a manager or as a leader.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, you know, accidents and, and we all have things in our life that there's no timeliness and, and a lot of things that happen in our life. It's just, you know, one day you're here and the next day something's completely different. So when that happened, I think the, the most important thing as a family and some of our top leadership is that we had to we had to. We had to communicate to people what's going on, because if you don't communicate when there's something like that happens, then people get uneasy. So it's very important to communicate to your team, but also reassure that you have to also keep keep the boat on course. You have to stay on course because people don't, the, you know, one of the people's biggest fear is just the fear of change. So we had to make sure that we kept the continuity of the business, the day-to-day stuff. But really throughout that process, and I'm not just talking about just my brother and myself and my uncle, but our top leadership, because we've had many leaders that have been with us for 20 plus years, is that we didn't really realize that my father has almost been planning for this, For he's been training our leadership, my brother and I, to do this job. So we had to, you know, you got to trust your gut, you got to believe in yourself, and, and it was I'm not saying it was a very easy time, but we were able to just keep moving forward.
0: And that, that is very, very important, especially, and that's for all businesses, not just from a family business, but everyone has to prepare for what if I'm incapacitated for a while. You know, Absolutely. Will, will the business continue to go on? What things have you put yeah. in place? to make sure that business does not stop. There's no interruption with the service that you provide or the products that you're providing. And so I definitely congratulate your dad on doing that for you guys. Now, during that time, you guys made a very gutsy, you know, I guess, decision, you and your brother. You had a, I guess, I don't know, either a partnership or uh, Barton Mello had a stake in your company what let you guys through in that time frame to make some changes within that relationship tell me talk to me about how did that come about
1: sure well we were probably about a third way into the negotiations when my dad had his accident so we could have decided not to go through with what we wanted to do but we just decided we have to keep like we said keep that ship moving forward um, during that time we had we had a joint venture partnership, a wonderful 20-year partnership with Barton and Mallow. And so we were a 51% owner. They were 49%. And um, it was my father's vision. Like, he wanted to buy the stakeout. Uh, we wanted to grow in some different areas. And so it was just, you know, it was just time for us to exit that partnership. Nothing bad. But my brother and I, when my dad had his accident, we had to stay on course and we had to fulfill that. Um, so we had to... Work with the banks and the lawyers on, you know, negotiating, getting out of a one business a buyout, looking at operation agreements while working with the bank on securing a loan. So it was a lot of different new things that my brother and I had to experience, as well as our top leadership.
0: And so with that, I guess having do you kind of you and your brother? It seems like you two have a really good relationship where you're able to kind of walk through things. Is your brother the only quote-unquote mentor? Like All of us as business owners need someone that we can kind of turn around and kind of talk through things. Whether they're Mm. working inside of the business or outside of the business, where do you kind of, I guess, go to or turn to to just kind of take a step back and have someone else kind of walk through different processes?
1: Well, that's That's a very good question because to most business owners, you don't really have this huge network of people that you can talk to. You know, your friends are necessarily not a business owner. Um, Mm -hmm. I am lucky. My dad's always somebody – I always talk to my dad. I I like to talk to him about any decisions that I make because sometimes I don't make the right decision. But, like, if I don't make the right one, then at least he can talk to me, like, what he's experiencing. So I think it's extremely open to be transparent with your close network. And it's okay if you don't make the right decision, but you it's your opportunity to learn. So my brother is definitely my number one but I guess I'd call him my partner in crime, but yes, we talk a lot and we talk a lot about hey, I you know, we talk about each other's side of the business. Not to just for us to keep informed, but you know, it's a way for us to process ideas or process decisions that we may have made. A couple other I mean, I have some very good mentors. I have um mentors within people that have known the business for a very long time and my CPA is a really good mentor of mine and uh I have various people throughout that some of my top management are mentors to me I mean I have like one boss who I still call my boss sometimes to this day but he was my boss for a very long time and I learned a lot from him and so I still look up to him and I still look up to a lot of our top leadership because they have a lot of experience and some of them even have more experience than I do at their positions.
0: And see, I think that, I think what you just said is so very valuable um, that we're able to learn from each other, regardless if it's someone that's underneath you or above you or in your same level, It's, it's being able to be open and receptive to the fact that, we can share ideas and without questioning, you know, each other's authority or anything of that nature, but being able to be open to say, you know, I can learn something from you. you you're you're valued. I value your opinion. I value what you have to say. I value your investment. I mean, even from an employee standpoint, as an employer, mm-hmm. that's what we want. We want to hear the, the, the verse you know, ideas that people will bring to the table because that's where, you know, as a business or a department that we're able to grow.
1: Absolutely. I always feel too, it's like I don't, when we have like with meetings, sometimes I'm like, don't tell me what's going good. Tell us what, tell me what's going wrong because you could only get better by fixing the things that are going wrong. If you focus on everything that you're doing well, then you're not you're not really taking a full look at yourself, or and or your business. So you got to have that. You have to promote a culture within your company where people feel comfortable saying, "I see something that potentially could, you know, it could it could change and it could make this process better, or this part of the organization better, or a product better." So you really creating that culture is extremely important. But you have to continuously keep communicating that to your people because it's it's a never-ending process
0: it is it is a never-ending process but it's awesome when you have that environment where you have you know what i call a healthy conflict where you have this debate of ideas and Mm -hmm. and everybody's arguing from the their their passion of making things better for the entire organization and so, and that only comes from people being very open and being willing to be vulnerable.
1: Absolutely.
0: You know, and and getting it, out of that comfort it, zone. It is getting out of that comfort zone and being willing to be wrong. It's okay to be wrong. It's okay to say I'm sorry. Mhm. And and that takes that that and of itself shows maturity and growth. You know, but it also shows accountability. We have to be accountable to whether we make bad decisions or good decisions. Accountability is everything.
1: Very, very and true. So what's next for the ideal group? What is next? Um, well, our, we keep growing our business. And we, as I mentioned, our construction business. Now that we, we bought out Martin Mallow's share, we're, we're looking into some new areas. We got a lot of exciting projects coming up. Um, just continuing to really keep our eyes on the business. You know, we growth is great, but you got to have managed growth. So opportunities are wonderful, but you got to grow in the right way because at the end of the day, you gotta, you still got to make money at the end of the day. So that's important. Um, I think, you know, continuing to keep focusing on our on our community. Our schools are really important. We're doing a lot with uh, Holy Redeemer and Detroit Crystal Ray High School um, we're getting some fantastic stories coming out of there because the Crystal has now been I think it's been around for almost nine years but it's been around now where we're getting kids that are graduating from college and they're getting big time jobs at General Motors and uh, different hospitals and even we have some from Ideal Group that are working for us and so that's that's really exciting and, and that mission is really important to us. It
0: is. We've had Krista Ray on uh, before on our program here too, and that is a very good program. And so, it's something that, same thing, it it helps you be a great community um, partner. Um, There, plus you're investing in the kids, and you're giving them real life training and work experience Mm -hmm. that they can carry throughout their their work life. So now. You, you're basically a woman in the construction-related, you know, field, and you serve as inspiration to others. What are some of the other things that you actually do to mentor women?
1: Um, one, well, education's really important to me. I, I'm very passionate about uh, Holy Redeemer Elementary School and starting kids at a, a very young age and seeing what experiences <clears throat> that they're looking for. I mean, that could be anything from what we're working on, like, a a refillable water station to taking them out, bussing them out to Howell so they can have an aviation day to see what it'd be like in that field. So that's really important. I mean, that mentorship is really important to me, regardless if it's a male or a female. Um, Mm -hmm. On the female side is that I've had, you know, I've had girls that have been interns throughout the ideal career that I still keep in touch with. And talk to them. Um, I think it's important to just also be, be approachable because there's a lot of women employees that we have at Ideal. So when I'm looking at, I was always the youngest at Ideal for a really long time. And I looked up to some of the older people. And when I met older, when I was in my early twenties, I'm talking like thirties and forties. But now that I'm starting to become that age, I'm looking at the people that are at Ideal and some of these, the young 20 year old women and, and looking to see like, being approachable so they feel comfortable talking to me about not just issues within their office, but issues within their life that I can give perspective on.
0: And, and that is so important, and, and thank you for doing that, because there's so many that, you know, they get caught up in their own careers but forgot that others took the time to share information and things with them that you're continuing that and share, going back and reaching back and sharing with others so that they have the same opportunities, too, as well. So now, is there any other words of wisdom that you'd like to share with other business owners or executives, um, and along the lines of marketing?
1: Oh, okay. On the lines of marketing, I talked about fail fast, fail cheap. Uh, another thing I always think is, this is another word I always say, it's called the, the top-line vanity, bottom-line sanity. And I mean, it will work with marketing, but it also works with your business because you got to make money at the end of the day. And when I mean that, it's not for you to become rich and drive cars. That's not necessarily the end goal. But if you can't make money, then you can't reinvest in your business, your people, your community. So you have to be able to have a system in place to always be able to measure everything. I'm really into metrics, and I'm really into creating a a habit of not just with my marketing metrics, but with our financial metrics. Like, I know that by the 15th of the month, I'm gonna get my financials that I can look at. I know by the end of the month, I'm gonna look at my marketing financials. So there's a lot of different metrics that run our business and I have a routine that I look at continuously. And and, and you mentioned financial metrics and so my background
0: is in finance, so that always excites me. But I, <laughs> I- I like
1: I financial.
0: I know. So, but I know, you know, me coming out of that being my background, for a lot of individuals, um, and, and it used to just be females used to be scared of, of financials and reading financial, um, statements and, and metrics and things like that. For, since we're celebrating, you know, National Women's Month and this is our last installment on it, how did you get so attached? I mean, I went to school for it, so for me it's a natural thing. And how did it become such a huge thing for you on the financial side? How, you know, how did it become so easy and so attracting to you? And what can you, what tips can you give others on learning how to read it, with their metrics or taking their metrics?
1: Sure. Well, I'm, a lot of marketing, like especially when you're looking at analytics, it's very analytical. So I'm a, somewhat of an analytical person, and I love numbers. But how did I really understand how a income statement and a balance sheet works? Was that it was it was an expectation from my father. When I was uh, the sales manager over at Ideal Shield, it was my it, it was my expectation. It was a role within that job that I had to not only have the, my father the transparency, and he still does to show all of his business unit managers our income and our financial statements, but if you're going to run a business or you're going to run a department, you need to understand if you're making money or not making money because how can you make decisions that are going to affect the bottom line? I hear a lot when I'm out at Dartmouth and we have like a week long program that talks not just about marketing, but all the different functions of the business where we have business owners who will talk to them like, Hey, are you making money? And I always hear like, well, I think so. I'm, I got more in my bank than I did in the beginning of the year. And that's, that's great. But Being able to look at an income statement and looking at your different general ledgers and being able to, we talked earlier in the show about talking about trends. So when I'm looking at my income statement, maybe I'm not in the day-to-day operations of a certain business, but I am able to look at it and say, oh, wow, you know, our direct labor is really high this month. Why is that? You know, And I'm able to ask an individual, and they might say, well, our direct labor is really high because we had a large job come in. That makes sense. So you're able to start to spot things if you're trending in and out that you can start asking questions where you can be like, okay, that makes sense or no, that doesn't make sense. Uh, I've had things where I looked at our finance. Oh, well, we made a mistake and it cost us this. Okay, now what are we going to do differently? So having, to, having that control and your leadership of your company is really important. Um, another thing is that you have to have discipline. Uh, you have to have, like at our company, by the 15th of the month, I have all of our financials every month. And that gives me, with my decision-making or our family ownership, it gives us an idea to start to spot trends, right? We kind of can start to see oh sales are spiking or sales are going down. If you only start, if you only get them quarterly or once a year, it's hard to make decisions very quickly because sometimes it might be too late. So that's very important. I think having that financial discipline when you're going to shut, close your books every month and then I think thirdly it's really important just to really understand I mean it's very important to understand are you making money or you're not making money to see how you're spending your money at all your different areas um, and then lastly making sure you know what you got in the bank you know what's your, what's your bank balance but what are your ratios. That is
0: so very true. And, and and with, you know, not just financial discipline, but discipline overall, it's it's funny, I I, I love reading uh, to read. And so it seems that if everyone that I've ever read anything that has really done anything from a successful standpoint or they're succeeding at, at, at any business thing, it's the discipline side that you can see how, they've accomplished whatever it is that they've accomplished, that they've become very disciplined at it. So they have some type of routine. Like you keep saying, the 15th of the month, I have all of my financials. And having those set things in place, it becomes a part of you. And so being able to set those things in place is really what sets you apart or, or us apart as being, you know, successful or not in whatever endeavor um, that we're taking a look at or we're trying to um, actually excel at. And so thank you so much for sharing with us this morning. If well, thank you very much. A, if someone had a question for you, how would they get a hold of you? Give us your contact info, if you don't mind.
1: Sure. Yeah, no problem. You could always uh, send me an email, and my email is uh, its my first name, Lindsay, and it's spelled a little bit differently, so it's... L i n z as in like zebra i e at we are ideal so that's w e a r e i d e a l dot com so lindsay at weareideal
0: Awesome. And now, if someone wanted to, I guess, how do they go about if they wanted to actually attend one of your classes that you are instructing um, there at Dartmouth?
1: Without having the website just right in front of me, you can actually just go on the Google search engine and you could type minority bu- business executive programs at Tuck or Dartmouth, and it'll that it'll pop up. And then once you get on that website, there's actually three different classes. There's the digital excellence program. There's growing your minority business to scale. And then there's a building class, which is the advanced one. They, on that website, there is a button that you can hit for application. Both of uh, The Google program then would go to Google and they submit. It's usually they they choose about 40 to 50. It's twice a year. And then the building and the uh, growing program, there are scholarships available for that, too. And that's a week-long course. Awesome. Awesome. And if you can't find it, you can always email me, and I'd be happy to send you the link.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Now, are you the instructor for each of the courses for all of them?
1: Uh, for the the digital class, I, I have a class on that, and then the um, the growing program, I've been doing uh, about a two hour class for that too. Not all at all everyone, but the last in the last couple of years, I've been doing it about two, twice a year for that program. Awesome, that is so very
0: good, and so hopefully, um, you guys that are out there, that you will take Lindsay out and you get to see her there at talk and talk with her i am quite sure that you will definitely get something out of the courses and out of the classes um, that she's a part of obviously she is a wealth of knowledge and information and so refreshing um, to see all the different things that they're doing within southwest Detroit um, business community there as well as um, all the different things that she's doing with small business owners there with Talk, and with google And so, again, thank you so much, Lindsay, for joining us today. Thank you very much. And sharing, and thank your dad for everything that he's doing there and and the investment (laughs) that he's making in the community and how he took that small little chance from winning his Cadillac and really helping not just the community but 700 families out of that one little small chance that he took. And selling his Cadillac and starting a business is amazing. Well, thank you very much. Again, thank you guys so much um, this morning for joining us. And we will have another program and everything for you on next week. And we look forward to seeing everyone again on next week. Thank you.